freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. And Brooke Huard. Huard. And Brooke Huard. Now here are your hosts, Brock Huard and Mike Salk. Let the fire! on Seattle Sports, 710seattlesports.com and the Seattle Sports app, plus all those podcast platforms. Good to be with you guys this morning. I want to rip out various parts of my body, not because of the Mariners. I'd like to rip out my eyeballs, parts of my nostrils, maybe a little back of the throat, top of the mouth, like roof of the mouth for a little while. These allergies have to stop. They have to go away. My eyes are so itchy. I don't know how anyone is is alive right now in this condition. It's terrible. I'm just like just sit there scratching up my eyes, and of course, scratching at it makes it worse. So anyway, yeah, man, my runny nose like crazy. Oh. And you spent yesterday out on the grass. So oh it's my gosh, be really terrible for you right now. Oh my gosh, Justin. And then I forgot to take those the uh, what did I take in the morning? The uh, Flonase. I forgot mm. my Flonase. Even after all the itching, you would think it would be the only thing on my mind. But I'm, I'm yeah. so unbelievably mixed up, confused, and tired before I leave the house in the morning that I forgot my Flonase, which is the only thing that helps. So I, I, I'm just going to be uh, you know, a, a mess today. I'm going to do the best I can. Rough shape. There we go. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Here's, here's, here's what I want to tell you. I got something very important to say today. I have a lot of important things to say, but I'm going to start. That's off every this. day, Justin. Today, especially, I have something especially important to say today. <laughs> Do we need a drum roll? Yes, you have a drum roll. I don't. Sorry. Okay, don't well, and then we obviously don't need. <laughs> I think we'll be okay without one. I thought maybe you maybe had one and you were excited. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Just wanted. To, I felt like offering would be nice. The Mariners have Mora, Justin, Charles, who's joining us today. What's up, Charles? Big wave. What's up to everybody else out there? The Mariners have an acute problem. It's acute. Like appendicitis? Could be. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, our, our friend Taylor Jacobs just went through that here. So shout out to him. He's shout out Taylor. Yes. No. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's an acute problem. Not cute. It's not adorable. No. It's not. It's not. Oh, it's not like that. But it's an acute problem. And I think that's important. They clearly have a problem, by the way. Let me back up in case anybody's, you know, not watching, not paying attention, not listening. The Mariners have a problem. Ring the alarm, sound the bells, like whatever you have to do to alert your friends and anybody who doesn't know. The Mariners have a problem. And over the course of the last few days, it has been magnified. I mean, playing those games against that team in the spot that they're already in. Yikes. Yeah. I right. Mean, I mean, that's a major, major red flag. But and I'm not trying to say this as, an, as a positive thing. There's no positive here. They're playing terrible baseball offensively. But I say that for a reason. It's an acute problem, which to me makes it different from an organizational problem, a systemic problem. The Mariners, contrary to popular opinion, are not in complete disarray. They have a phenomenal pitching staff. Seriously. They have a phenomenal pitching staff. And they seem to have a system in place that creates more good pitchers seemingly every day. Right? Oh, this guy's not good? No problem. Throw in Brian Wu. He'll be awesome. Oh, this guy's hurt? No problem. Throw in Bryce Miller. He's just as good as anybody else. Oh, you need another one? I'm sure, you know, Hancock's going to be exactly the same. 
I, I have complete and utter faith right now in the system they have in place that develops pitching. Their defense, largely good. It certainly hasn't been problematic, right? I mean, there was some issues early in the year with Colton Wong, but for the most part, the Mariners' yeah. defense is not a problem. Yeah. They'll make the occasional head scratcher on the base paths, but I don't think they're a problematic base running team. They don't, they're not as good at it as I thought they might be this year. They've disappointed me on the base paths, but that's not the reason they are where they are. They're not a stupid baseball team on the base paths. I mean, they don't get on the base paths enough to make that many mistakes, but that aside, for the most part, I would not call them a stupid base running team or anything like that. They have one problem. They can't hit. And like not even a little bit. They are a terrible hitting team. Acute. It's an acute, but that's important. Uh, yeah. Because when you start thinking about what you want to do, how do you want to fix the problem? What needs to change? If it was an organizational issue, which we've seen here in the past, you make wide sweeping changes to the organization. When it's an acute problem, in my view, you allow the people who have created it to fix it. Take whatever is working on the pitching side and find a way to achieve that same level of success on the hitting side. That's the difference between acute and, in this case, systemic or obtuse, I guess. Yes. It's not an acute angle that, versus an obtuse one. Yeah. Anyway, I, I, you know, today's an off day. Right Today is one of those days where you have to, you know, make some decisions on what you're going to do. Guys, for, for anybody who thinks they're going to fire Scott Service, they're not. For anybody who thinks they're going to fire Jerry DePoto, they're not. Justin Hollander, they're not. And they should not. None of those things should happen because this is an acute problem. Now, would I be nervous if I was a pitching coach or a hitting coach rather? Maybe. I don't know that they're going to move on from what's it, Jared Tahard or uh, or uh, either of those guys. I don't know that they're going to do that. I don't know that I would. Generally, you get sacrificial lambs like that before you get to a to a manager, and I would absolutely expect that Scott, given all of his time and tenure here, all of his history with Jerry, and the fact that he was in the playoffs, like you know, a few months ago with legitimate consideration for manager of the year each of the last two years, Mm -hmm. you're not going to fire Scott because you don't like the way the team has hit for the first few months. Not going to happen. But you need to do something because the flaw that you've got right now, this acute issue, is a fatal flaw. It's destroying you. It It is destroying your ability to win, but it's coming from one thing, and that's an inability to hit. So you've got you've to fix that. Now, it's manifesting itself in a bunch of different ways, right? You've got games where they can't get on base. You've got games where they do get on base, but then they can't drive anybody in. They've got games where they don't hit for enough power. Oh, wait, that's all of the games, it seems, that they lose. I guess as I kind of look through their hitting. They make Patrick Corbin look like an all-star. I know that those are the ones that are just killing you, right? Where these guys come in with their five and a half ERAs and, and and you just are dormant, just flat dead. The Lancelin, just depressing. I don't know which of the two styles of game drives you more crazy. Two games ago where you should win and you don't because of failure in specific moments. Or yesterday, where you don't even give yourself a chance. You don't even give yourself a a possibility of competing in that game because you just show up dead. 
in one area of the game. Again, one. They didn't do anything else. I mean, Logan gives up a few runs in the first inning. That happens sometimes to good pitchers. He shut it down after that. And he should be able to score three runs against Patrick Corbin. Dude, come on. Of course. Like, that. that's not a pitching issue. That's a hitting issue. It's, a, it's acute. It's one thing. Well, then to the 209, it says it's not acute. It's systemic. They can't acquire or develop hitters, and it's been years. Well, that that is a fair point. Yeah, but I, I guess what I mean is systemic across the entirety of the organization and all of their problems. Yeah, they can't. Yeah. This is yeah. a, a specific issue in the organization. And it, it kind of, you know, again, four issues to me. One, not enough power. This is a team that's supposed to hit home runs, and they don't. And home runs change the game instantly. That's why baseball's been obsessed with them for however many years. They just instantly turn a game. And this team is supposed to hit them, and they're not. Two, they don't generate enough of a consistent threat. Yeah, I know they let rallies fizzle, but but that's life in the big leagues. Sometimes rallies fizzle. You got to generate enough rallies and enough opportunities so that if you keep the same percentage of fizzles, you still score more runs. They're not generating enough opportunities. They don't have enough good players. And I know there's people screaming at their radio right now saying that's the case if you're up this early. They don't have enough good players. And the guys they have aren't performing. So both of those things are true. They also don't have any hitters like hurt. It's not like someone's last year be like, ah, Mitch is coming back. They don't have any hurt hitters. Tie, yeah. Everybody's everybody's out there, man. This is it. And oh, by the way, they don't have anybody like a triple-A, double-A ready to come up and help. That's not the case either, and that is an issue. And they've had some bad decision-making, whether it's in players and, and the GM, but players. Whether it's prep, bat speed, too loose, too tight, they're pressing, they're selfish. We've gone through all the potential reasons for it. I don't know what the reasoning is, but they're a bad decision-making team. At the plate. So you put those four things together and you get the recipe for a fatal flaw right now in this organization. And it's fatal. It's destroying them this year. I don't think that it is an organizational issue, though, because of how much success they've been able to generate in other parts of the game. So back to the drawing board, man. If you're Jerry and Justin and their crew, Scott and his crew. It's it's back to the drawing board because you've got to figure out this problem or else it will destroy you. It's it's just that simple. So here we are at six ten in the morning on uh, on on June twenty ninth. That's the situation. No, you're not going to fire anybody. You know of major consequence over this because it's acute. But they got to figure it out. They got they got to find a way to end what has become a fatal flaw. Or else the conversation the next time around obviously looks very different. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. I was just saying this. Seems like the Mariners have two kinds of losses this year anyway. The ones like Tuesday night where they're in a position to win and they just fail to get it done when it matters. And the ones like yesterday where their bats just completely failed to show up to the game at all. I don't know which is worse, but we got treated to both this week and especially bad when they come at the hands of what is essentially a minor league team in the Washington Nationals. A couple days, obviously, um, we haven't played good baseball, uh, bottom line. And, and, um, you know, today you go out in a game, you try to wipe the slate clean from... You know, disappointment last night, and, and they jump on us early, and you know, 
uh, really hard to, you know, we failed to get any momentum going. And that usually, you know, you're down early, you got to figure out a way to get back into it. Yeah, it just felt like yesterday getting down early sucked whatever potential life they had right out of them. Like, ah, here we go again. And, uh, you know, Scott said that they were a momentum team. He's right. But you got to find a way then to take the momentum, right? That's what they're supposed to do. We have expectations to be a very competitive team. We have not been able to do that for any stretch of the season, quite frankly. You know, we haven't put together a stretch where you win 8 out of 10 or 10 out of 13, something like that. Uh, I've said all along, I think we have the capability of doing that because we pitch really well. But it's two sides of the game, and you have to do it offensively consistently, and and that's been a struggle for us. It comes back to what I was saying earlier. Again, it's an acute problem, but you got to find a way to get it fixed. Logan Gilbert mentioned the pitching. Gave up three in the first, but he sure settled down from there. Unfortunately, the damage was already done. Logan, introspective about the team afterwards. I don't think we're a bad baseball team at all. I I know what we're capable of. We've seen it last year. We have a lot of the same pieces in, you know, having Tay Oscar and some of these guys, new additions this year. We have what it takes, and and that's why I think we feel the frustration in the fans and everybody in the situation that we're in. So I fully expect to turn it around, and I think we're going to have a great second half. I honestly do. That's not just me saying that because we have everything that it takes. But, yeah, right now we're not playing the best right now, and we know that. So we've got to find a way to turn it around. Baseball is played over 162 games, so it's certainly a possibility. But you had an off day today. Tampa's in town for the weekend. Just what you need. The best team in the league to show up. Heck, maybe it is the thing they need. They played pretty well against the Rays last year. Maybe they can uh, get their season moving in the right direction. Here's the second thing you need to know. About to select from Cometa Berno, Eduard Schalle. There we go. Yep. There we go. Edward Chalet is the 20th pick in the draft, and he is now a member of your Seattle Kraken. He's an 18-year-old winger out of Chechia or the Czech Republic, which seemed to be the same thing. Talented, big, fast. He can score, played at a high junior level, and is believed to be pretty close to the NHL, or at least NHL ready more so than some of the other players drafted this year. There are some concerns though. Well, look, I mean, I think they do need defense in their system. There's no doubt about that, but this is a case of best player available. Yeah. And he's got offensive ability. There's no question about that. Top two lines, if he can get there and play there, he's going to be an effective player. I think the, the, the one question mark on him is sometimes his compete. And whether or not he could, if he doesn't play in the top six, could he be able to play, you know, third line in that in that role? So it's is he like, a top six or bust? That's what you're exactly. asking. Exactly. Yeah. So it's kind of an interesting issue, right? First of all, it's a little hard for me to question the compete level on an 18-year-old kid. I mean, that may be something he needs to learn, and he hasn't quite figured that out yet. So I don't know whether I'm worried about that or not, but I will say that that's two years in a row you've had your top pick now have a question about whether or not they've got that drive, right? How many times have we heard them say, well, Shane Wright, got to work. It's up to him. How hard does he want to work? Which obviously leads me to believe that that's a question mark. And now you're hearing it uh, here as well. Certainly hard work was not a problem for this team last year. Maybe they feel like that's something they can coach into them. And if he's offensively talented and skilled and unique, that's great. Certainly going to give him a chance. But that's, uh, yeah, not something you necessarily want to hear day one. Day two of the draft, by the way, starts this morning, like early, like 8 a.m. Kraken have three second round picks and a total of nine today. Here's the third thing you need to know. You know, Julio, Justin sent this over to me, named as one baseball players right now, uh, one of eight 
who either all stars or MVPs who are going through major slumps. Bryce Harper, Giancarlo Stanton, Josh Donaldson, Carlos Correa, Francisco Lindor, uh, Abreu, and uh, Trout were the last ones. That's a lot of star power that is having some major, major issue not playing like stars exactly right. Now, obviously, those other ones just aren't your problem, but it is a reminder, I think, that this does happen in baseball where sometimes great players don't play like great players for a period of time. We asked Jeff, pa- we asked Jeff Passan about Julio this week. And, and he's not having, a, by the way, let me just say, he's not having a bad season by no. any means. He's just not having the sort of season that either he or Mariners fans or the organization or the public writ large expected. And, you know, in 2023, that is a bad thing. But for 2024, 25, and well beyond that, mm-hmm. I think he's going to really learn from this. I tend to agree with that, and, and I don't know that this is a, a, a problem for Julio forever, but the chasing issue is a huge issue right now. He's made 81 outs this year on pitches outside the zone. Only 10 players in all of baseball have done that more often. So clearly chasing the wrong pitches has been a problem for Julio this year. That is everything you need to know. We do that quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salk Show. Got a text here from uh, Brenton Bellevue who says he can't wait to hear a great story about the time you laid up yesterday. Oh, (laughs) dude. You know, how dare you? You know, it's so frustrating. (laughs) Golf in general, very frustrating. And we'll get to Dave Haxtell here in a sec. So, I mean, I, I went out to the range. I got a few minutes. I got out to the ridge and went to the range early. Shout out to Wally, by the way, who hooked us up yesterday. I had a blast playing with him. What's up, Wally? And uh, I was piping drives, Justin. All right. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to hit drivers, some drivers. The drivers today. out today. I probably hit, I don't know, five drives over the course of the day. Didn't hit one good one. I mean, not one. <laughs> any. I mean, pop up to third, swing in a I mean, just terrible, right? And so afterwards, uh, this guy, Travis Fulton, who we've had on the show before, yeah, yeah. said, hey, if you take some video of yourself, like I'll, I'll give you some thoughts. He's a pro. I'm like, Perfect. Okay. So I'm like, hey, do you guys mind going over to the range real quick? I just want to take a couple of, just take some pictures. Like, yeah, yeah, no problem. So we go over to the range and I hit a couple of irons, which are, you know, fine, whatever. I'm like, all right, I got to get some driver pictures because that's the problem. I pipe yes, eight drives in a row down the middle, absolutely <laughs> laced. And I'm like, I love golf. I hate this freaking game. This is so dumb. I'm tired. I've played 18 holes. I'm, I'm like, I'm, my eyes feel like they're going to be scratched out from the allergies. And I'm piping. I, this game's dumb. I quit. I swear to God. Did you even send them to him? Or you're like, hey, never mind. I thankfully kept going until I hit a pop up to third and was like, yeah. I knew I could do it. I was like the Mariners the other night trying to hit into a double play. They tried once and failed. But don't worry, man. Try, try again <laughs> and you will succeed. Uh, I eventually was able to screw it up just like I had planned. All right. Coming up next. I really enjoyed talking to Dave Haxtall yesterday. Seriously. I learned a lot about him, about his process, about his system and about where these Kraken are going. And I would say he said one thing about Maddie Beneers that every single Kraken fan should hear. Stick around. It's next on Brock and Salk. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. It was such an important year for hockey in Seattle. What the Kraken accomplished, Brock, playing good hockey going to the playoffs, winning a series, taking Dallas to the brink. I think they needed to do all of those things after a first season that left people, 
you know, wanting a little bit, right? There was all the excitement. There was all the buzz. The ticket prices went nuts. There was the, you know, the sellout the arena lines was and all back. that. The arena was amazing. Right. Yep. And then all of a sudden, you know, the team comes out and plays like garbage over the course of the first year. And you could feel a lot of that energy slip away in the offseason. And so all of a sudden, second year, it's like, wow, they don't have quite the same amount of interest, intrigue, mm-hmm. etc. Well, they got it back. And, and, and then some. And then some. Absolutely. Kudos to Dave Haxtall, who had a fantastic sophomore season, finishes third in the voting for uh, Coach of the Year, and gets his team a lot farther than anybody predicted they would go. And I do give him a lot of credit. I feel like they outplayed the level of their talent over the course of the season. That's not to say they weren't more talented than the year before. But whereas in year one, A, I didn't think they were very talented, and B, I didn't think they got enough out of the talent they had, I felt like last year was the opposite in both cases. Yeah, last year it sure felt like that group of veteran guys on every line came together and and developed roles. I mean, if baseball is a group of independent contractors, I think hockey, by the very nature of it, is those lines run in and out, come on and off the ice, and the coordination that it takes, and, and the roles that have to develop defensively, offensively, Right there, there was so much buy-in. I know that's an easy cliche and term to throw around, yeah. but when you're a year two as an expansion team coming off of a, r- a rough rookie season and you bring in new faces, all is basket is uh, is hockey the ultimate team sport of of the four major sports here in America? Is it the is it the ultimate team sport? Well, there's only that's only a debate between that and football, right? I mean, but, basketball is yeah. such. I mean, it, defensively. Maybe you could make that argument in basketball, but offense, especially now, is so, you know, set by one guy, ISO, step back three, et cetera. So it's hard for me to put basketball there, although it could be. They've chosen not to go in that direction. I think it's more so than football. Yeah, the coordination it takes, gosh, I just marvel at it. Right? I, I, I truly do. It feels like, you know, the most up-tempo two-minute drive in football the entire game. Yeah. <laughs> of people shuttling in and shuttling out and all the lines and all the movement and, you know, and, and yeah, and then the guys just sacrificing their body. To me, the ultimate team sport is also about sacrifice. And that sport and the level of sacrifice in that sport uh, is second to none. Is second to none. Football's right up there. Mm. And there's no question there's tough guys in both of them. But man, alive! Hockey's hockey's got a lot, a lot of team components. Well, and and football also has the sort of funkiness of you know you have offensive players and defensive players, right? And so half the team is is completely separated from the other half of the team. I guess in theory, hockey has that with the goaltenders who are sort of on their own you know planet, but. You know, to be a defenseman in hockey doesn't mean you're playing defense all the time, right? I mean, like, there's still a five-person coordination that is constantly happening in that sport, and you're protecting each other. So, yeah, I I, I do think building a team and building that team element and getting that buy-in might be as important in hockey as it is in any other sport, and, and maybe even more so. And the guy who was able to get this team to play like that, to play like a team, is Coach Dave Haxtell. It takes a few minutes to join us right now. Coach, good morning. Thanks for spending some time with us. Yeah, good morning, guys. How are you this morning? We're doing great. Uh, we were just talking good. about hockey. We were saying it's it's got to be the ultimate team sport uh, of all of the major sports here in North America. How much time do you spend thinking about team well, yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, it's all about that. It's everybody being able to do their part within, you know, within that team structure. Obviously, everybody's structure is a little bit different. They're built a little bit differently, but 
for us, it was, you know, it's a group that, uh, that really relies on everybody. If everybody doesn't do their part, um, you know, we're not built in a way that one or two guys can get us over the hump. So that, uh, that for sure makes it, uh, you know, makes it, you know, the nature of the beast for us. It's all, it's all about the strength of our team. In a big day today, as you're going to be able to add to your team 10 draft picks, uh, obviously the first round tonight. Dave, how much time do you spend and get to spend actually looking in the rearview mirror of what you all accomplished this year versus this windshield that has trades and free agents and drafts that seems to never, ever stop? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a, I guess it's a, that's a great question because the reality is you spend – you know, you spend a couple of weeks just uh, decompressing a little bit and trying to get a perspective. And then, um, you know, the past couple of weeks for me has been looking back on the process of the year and the results and, um, you know, some of the successes, some of the failures, what we, you know, what we can do to be a little bit better. Um, you know, and as you get the draft time and the excitement around the draft and free agency, it really is about turning your focus to, you know, getting in place the, the details of the plan uh, and, and the plan for some progress as we, you know, as we get into next year. So that's really where our focus is now as a staff. As we come back together here, we're t- turning the page from that evaluation to, to the planning process for camp and beyond. I want to hear a little bit about that, but first I want to go backwards because you said you spend some of that time with the introspection and self-scouting. What did you learn about your team this year? And maybe even more specifically, what did you learn about them in the postseason? Well, that's, yeah, and there, there are two different levels there. You know, what we, what we saw our, do, our team do this year was um, really grow in terms of belief in, you know, in what we had. Um, we, we saw a pretty motivated team and a pretty motivated group show up in training camp. The group knew that we were better on paper from the previous year and, you know, and they were hungry to, you know, to go out and prove that on a nightly basis. And, you know, our, our guys did a really good job of doing that throughout the year. We, we went from a team early in the year that probably not a lot of people, um, you know, gave a lot of chance, uh, to have success, uh, to a team that became well-respected as we went throughout the regular season. And, you know, as you earn that playoff spot, now it's all about trying to take advantage of that. And uh, what we learn about our guys in the playoffs is that they have the ability to elevate their game to the playoffs and to the level, the intensity level of the playoffs. And we had a few key guys that were leaders in that, but ultimately our entire group stepped up and stepped forward. So those are things that you never know until you're, you're in that situation and have the opportunity uh, to you know, to prove that you belong and prove that you can elevate your game at, at the important time of the year. How much did your four years in Philly impact uh, the, the coach Hackstall that we get to experience here in Seattle? I think everything has has a has an impact. It has a lasting effect. Um, you know, Philadelphia. Um, you know, it's uh, I guess going into nine years ago now. Um, you know, I stepped right out of college hockey directly into the National Hockey League. It had been, I think at that point, it had been close to 20 years since I had been in an NHL training camp when, when I had been there as a player. Uh, so a lot of things had changed. And, um, you know, I, I grew a lot in, in Philadelphia. There's, there's, you know, there's uh, the importance of having great people around you, and I had that in Philly, so I was able to lean on them a little bit. But you still really have to figure out things on your own. Uh, so no matter how strong the philosophy is, 
sometimes the application and getting to the spot where you want to get to is uh, is a little more complex. So, you know, I'd say I grew and learned a lot through uh, through the years in Philadelphia. Loved my time there. Uh, still have a lot of great friends there. Um, but you're always able to roll those experiences into, I, I would hope you're able to roll them into some form of growth and, and continue to, uh, you know, to do the things that you do in, in a little bit more uh, efficient way and a little bit better way. Talking to Coach Hackstall here of the Kraken, you, you talk about that system and, and sort of what it takes. What is the biggest key to your system? If somebody like when you sit down with a new player day one and say, "Okay, here's what it's going to take to succeed in this system," what is the key? Well, we you know number one this time last year we we sat down, we looked at our team and said we can win through depth. You know, our top players have to do a good job, but our depth is what's going to separate us. So we tried to you know to really add in a few details to the things that we were doing that helped us do that. So if you look at our game, everything we do is, is about being quick, about being fast, about using the depth of our roster. Um, and, and in a nutshell, without getting, I guess, you know, too detailed on it, every piece of our system and every, you know, our, every all the parts of our game and the way we play are based on doing things with pressure and doing things quickly. And our, our guys really enjoyed playing within that system. They, first of all, you know, they did a great job buying in and, and understanding the, you know, the basic concepts and they were really committed to doing it. And, and we did that throughout our lineup and that's, that's what, you know, led to uh, some of the uh, success that we were able to have. So I guess the, the follow-up I would have there is, is that, is that because that's what you want or is that because that's what you had in terms of the players and I guess I asked that, I'll be more direct, because, you know, your depth was incredible this year, right? We talked about it constantly. How many guys, you know, you were you, you had a, a ton of second-line guys on your team, on your third and fourth lines even. But did you have that, you know, unbelievable star that some of the other teams have? Is that something you want, or does that screw up yeah. the system, or does the system adapt depending on what you got? I believe the system adapts a little bit, but it grows as well. I think I believe the way that we play, as we continue to improve, uh, as our roster continues to grow and improve, um, we can continue to be successful within this system and play this way. And I believe it's a system that um, you know our players will continue enjoy playing. That usually leads to success. So I believe as our as our uh, as our roster grows and strengthens which it will continue to do over the uh you know over the coming years um we can continue to be successful within this and just improve what we're doing within the basic system uh, coach dave hackstall here with us we have uh, become so aware through so much of the exposure of the nfl draft and the war room and the cameras in all of these war rooms and everything that's gone into the evolution of that draft for the last 40 years or so uh, coach take me uh, if you wouldn't mind inside today for you guys what does that look like with uh, with ron francis what does that look like wow. and how involved you know, is this, todd lewicki yeah this this uh, this is this is the culmination of the year for Ron and his staff, the the amateur scouting staff, and then as you roll, you know, going through these couple of days of the draft, rolling into free agency, the pro scouting staff. So that group has worked extremely hard throughout the year. Now all of their work comes together, comes into a real sharp focus. Um, the organization uh, and, and how highly organized they are in terms of. Uh, 
uh, being ready to, you know, read and react on their feet when different things happen, uh, you know, throughout the timing of the draft is amazing. Um, so, you know, for me, it's, you know, I have the opportunity really to, you know, to sit and, and watch these people do their work and, and they're really good at it. And that's what I would say is, you know, the thing that is really hard to bring into focus is the amount of detail and organization and just the, you know, the preparedness for any situation that may come up as you go through the, you know, the, the, uh, um, you know, the different parts of the draft. So it's a, you know, it's an exciting day and it's a day that, you know, all of, you know, all of those people take a lot of pride in. It was great to see Matty Beneers honored uh, the other night for what he did. And I know you had some really nice things to say about him. Yeah. Uh, it's great. Despite the fact that he went to Milton Academy, I think he's uh, he's a heck of a player. <laughs> and that's a, that's a, that's a real compliment you know, coming from me. Trust me. Still going to hold that against him. Yeah. Huh? Well, I went to be, BBN yeah, okay. guy. Never going to give a Milton guy any credit whatsoever. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's just never going to happen. But, <laughs> uh, but he's, he's really phenomenal to watch. Seems like a great kid. Yeah. What, what are the next few years Josh. look like for him? What, what does his trajectory look like? Oh, the sky is the limit. Number one, you know, and I think, you know, the other night when, uh, you know, when he was announced as the rookie of the year, I can tell you the, the entire scouting staff, uh, you know, was was pretty fired up about that, and those are the little things that we talk about the draft. Like those those people had so much invested, and uh, to see you know Maddie acknowledged as as the rookie of the year, I think speaks well to the entire organization. But for Maddie himself, I mean, this guy just he just shows up and works, and you know when you're around him, he's he's such an easy guy to be around. Everybody, you know, his teammates love him. Um, what are the next year, couple of years old? The sky is the limit. He's going to continue to. Uh, improve his game. Um, he's 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 just one of the guys that he's hungry to be good at everything. Um, and sometimes you have to be a little careful with that because that's hard to do. But we believe he's capable of it. He's gonna he's gonna be he's gonna continue to be a real good player. You know, uh, in a, in a two way sense. So he's gonna be that two hundred foot guy. But we're gonna really continue to see his offensive game grow as well. So um, it's gonna be a you know it'll be a fun pathway to watch. Um, it's going to be one that, you know, obviously we're going to pay a lot of attention to and, and you know, make sure that uh, we take it step by step. We don't want to put too much on his plate too early, but what he's showing us is, you know, that's hard to do. There's really no such thing as too much on his plate. He, he wants to take it on and um, he's happy to take on those challenges. So um, he's going to continue to become a, you know, a, a true leader uh, in and amongst our guys, even though he's going to go into his second year in the National Hockey League. Can he be the best player on a championship team? I believe he can. And that's, uh, I say that not based off of uh, just skill and ability level. I, I, you know, I base that off of uh, presence, competitiveness, intelligence, uh, all of those elements that, that you bring together and, when a player has the presence that Maddie does uh, in and around his teammates, uh, the answer for me is yes. I got two uh, last quick questions here for you, Coach. Number one, do you got a sense and a feel for what this trade market, free agent market, is going to look like here in the, I guess this week, as it's already the trade winds have been blowing. Do you got a, a sense and a feel for where those are going? Yeah, there's a lot of interesting things that are, you know, that seem to be, you know kind of hanging out there and you know sometimes you see you know there's an awful lot of talk in in the pre you know the 48 hours the 72 hours leading up to to the first round and all of a sudden 
nothing happens. Um, you know, and it's it's all it's all been uh, you know it's up in smoke and uh, everybody moves on about their business. So I get, I have a sense that there's going to be more more happening than not. I think there's there's some things that have to happen here over the last you know over the next. Uh, day or two uh, and and beyond that leading into free agency um, you know it just feels that way it feels a little bit different in that sense to me I think there's you know there's uh, there, there seems to be some moves that have to be made around the league so um, you know we'll be watching all of those pretty closely we've had a lot of debate in our organization amongst our show unit about Miracle being the best uh, sports there's movie no debate. ever, ma- it's, ever the be- made. it's the best sports movie ever. Dave yeah. is Miracle <laughs> the best sports movie yeah ever made oh man it's well my kids would say it probably is i might i still might go i mean i'm showing my age here, but i, I still might go like bull durham something along those lines but uh yeah, Miracle's pretty, it's, it's it's pretty good it's pretty good they're they, they're on different levels right different playing fields there a little different importances i guess but uh miracle's pretty good you ever give that her, her brook speech when you know the head it's a whole hell of a long no, way from I the can't. heart yeah. nothing yeah, no, I can't do it. I gotta. There's a uh, there's a uh, there's a video out there of a ten year old kid that does the Herb Brooks <laughs> speech. Uh-huh. So if I ever need that, I'm just gonna pull out the video and throw in. There you go. It's awesome. Hey, yeah, I gotta I gotta go. ask you. Speaking of speeches, I don't know whether you said anything, but I gotta go all the way back to the beginning of last year and ask you a question because something we talked about on the show. Team started off last year, first few games, maybe they looked a little bit better than the year before, but it, it was not significant. And you got down early at home against St. Louis. I don't know, it was three nothing, four nothing, something like yeah. that. I forget the details. Yeah. Yeah. You called an yeah. early timeout late in the first period, something like that, and it seemed like at least from the outside after that timeout the entire team and season turned around what'd you say yeah we turned we turned that game around and we needed to it just you had that feel in the building right and that's um you sense these different you know different key times and that was one uh things had gone the wrong direction they'd gone quickly the wrong direction that night we had to right the ship and really i mean it's just about taking a breath and kind of getting the, the, the focus back. So in terms of the real words, I couldn't, I, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't tell you. But oh, I got audio of it, Dave. No, I got, I, I got I, audio I know, of it. You sounded like this. You said the Blues, they may be the better team. They could beat us nine out of ten times, but not tonight. Not tonight. Not this night. Not this night. There not tonight. It <laughs> there it is. See, that's all I needed. I needed that video clip of the ten-year-old kid right there. Okay? All right. That's last all thing. Needed. Last now, thing for you, Coach. Give us the player that we don't talk enough about, but he makes your job easier. And we talk a lot about the stars on the team, et cetera. Who is the player on your team that we don't notice nearly enough, but he makes your job so much easier? That you don't notice, boy. There's, uh, I'll give you maybe one on the back end um, and then one up front for sure. The guy on the back end, not for sure. Uh, I would say it's Adam Larson on the back end. I know we talk about him a little bit. I don't think we talk about him enough. I think he's uh, he's the guy that's there day in and day out, does a lot of the heavy lifting for us, uh, and, and is pretty darn good at it. Uh, the other guy that, uh, that doesn't get enough, uh, probably enough talk is, uh, up front I would either say Wenberg or Schultz, or uh, excuse me, Schwartz. Mm. Um, they don't typically draw the spotlight, but um, those guys are such key guys for us. They're smart. They're competitive. They make their lines better. 
This is fun. I like getting a chance to talk some hockey. We're going to have to do this again. Thanks for uh, taking a few minutes with us here in the offseason. It's going to be an exciting couple of days with the draft tonight, tomorrow, and then free agency after that. And before you know, you guys will be opening up against Vegas again. So uh, looking forward to it, Coach. Thank you so much. Okay. Yeah, thanks for your time and for having me on. I appreciate it. I really enjoyed that. Uh, thanks to Coach Hackstall for uh, for coming on. I was fairly critical of him in, in year one, and uh, I think he had an unbelievably great season last year. I really thought he did a fantastic job pulling that team together and, and learning from things that had gone wrong in year one. And I think it was, it was good to hear the system and kind of understand what it is he's trying to accomplish and what he wants his team to be best at. So, uh, you know, kudos to him third in uh, the voting for coach of the year. He's got an interesting young nucleus. He brought a lot out of players without having any real stars. Uh, you know, the one thing he said, and and I, you know, we're going to find out if it's true is whether or not Matty Beneers can be the best player on a championship team. I'd rather not find out. That's just me. Oh, and you mean they getting another yeah. Yeah, star. <laughs> I, I, I'd like to find somebody else around him and, and not have to find out, but It'll be interesting because it's not like you guys better than Matty Beneers grow on trees. Like they're really, really hard to find. So if you get one, that would be a fantastic thing to find out. And if not, then maybe Matty Beneers can be that. So I, I, I like his confidence. I like that he didn't waver. I like that he just flat out said, yes, I believe he can. Uh, it wasn't one of these, well, if things break right. And this, it was just like, yeah, I believe he can. Yeah, because he didn't, I know he's not going to say no, but he definitely could have been like, oh, it's too early to tell or yep. something like that. But he was very confident. Pretty confident. Case. Like, yep, I think he can do that. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, draft continues today. Uh, they get another uh, pick. They got three picks in the second round, which kicks off here in a little over an hour. Around 8 o'clock, we'll try to keep you guys updated on that. By the way, let me remind you that Seattle Sports, the home of the Mariners, and your only home for the All-Star Week. Stop by our live broadcast from the Hatback Bar and Grill. Plus, you can tune in Monday to hear Julio in the home run derby and then Tuesday evening for the all-star game Seattle sports the exclusive home of all-star week in Seattle did I tell you I'm taking my mom to the all-star game oh it's awesome she she's fu- in she oh, agreed she yeah I, I emailed my mom and she was like eh, I don't know I uh, Julio's not playing yeah and so I wrote her back I was like really mom you're like a lifelong baseball fan you don't want to yeah. go to the all-star game and she's like actually yeah I do I was like Okay. <laughs> like you gotta say yes the first this. time. You're lucky I didn't give the tickets away. People were suggesting the other day that maybe she's still a little bummed about Robbie Ray too. Oh, in the tight pants. Yeah. yeah, that he's not gonna be there. I'm sure there'll be plenty of guys in tight pants. All right. <laughs> Coming up next, Brock is in, uh, and uh, we've got an important Mariner question to ask first him and eventually you. It's next. Brock and Salk, Sales Sports on seven ten, salesports.com.